You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome once again to the Revision Path Podcast. This is episode 56. My name is Maurice Cherry. Um, just a quick question, if you're listening. Have you taken our audience survey yet? It closes at the end of this month, December 31st. Just head on over to revisionpath.com forward slash survey. Fill that out. You'll be entered to win a $100 Amazon.com gift card. And I know that I've mentioned, you know, take the survey over these past few podcasts, but I really, really do need your feedback in order to create some of the things that you want to make sure I'm covering the topics that you want to hear, interview the people that you want to hear from. I got to know you can't stay silent. You got to speak up. So again, that survey is at revisionpath.com forward slash survey. Now, I've got another great interview for you this week. But first, let's talk about our sponsors, the great people and companies who help support Revision Path. Uh, first off, this episode is sponsored by Model View Culture. Model View Culture is technology, culture, and diversity media. A new online issue comes out every three weeks, and their 2015 print subscription is opening soon. Visit ModelViewCulture.com and follow them on Facebook. That's Facebook.com forward slash ModelViewCulture. And Twitter, Twitter.com forward slash ModelViewMedia. Revision Path is also brought to you by MailChimp. Save yourself the hassle of multiple emails to your clients and customers and use the service that's perfect for designers, entrepreneurs, and small businesses. You can design your own template or use one of theirs, import your list, and start sending out emails today. Sign up for a free account at MailChimp.com. When you're looking for the best place to register a domain name, you ask the people who know a lot about domains, and that would be Hover. They make it easy to find and snap up the domain name you want, and if you use our discount code NIA, that's N-I-A, you can save 10% off your first purchase. Hover.com, they've got you covered. And lastly, there's Creative Market. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, photos, and a whole lot more, starting at only $2. They give away a great selection of free goods every Monday, and for the month of December, they're doing this really awesome bundle of design goods and services from top design brands like Media Temple, Envision, Dribble, Skillshare, Moo, etc. You can go to creativemarket.com for more information. All right, now, on to this week's interview. I asked Britt Davis this question. If the old you could see the new you, what would she say? I hope they will be proud of the progress that I've made professionally and personally. I'm just making this decisions, you know, from going to New York and you know, getting all those arrangements made to going to grad school, just being more grown up taking more chances, making decisions based on what, you know, I want and need and not so much thinking about what would this person say or this person say. So I, I would hope that old Brittany would be proud of Brit. This is Revision Path. Let's start the show. All right. So tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Britt Davis. I'm a designer, graphic designer out of Charlotte, North Carolina. By day, I work at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte as a graphic designer for the Student Union Activities and Recreation Department. And in the evening, um, I transform into a graduate student and freelance designer for Be Creative Design Directions. Let's talk about the work that you're doing at UNC Charlotte. It sounds like it's pretty fun work since you're working with, like you said, the student board and things like that. Yes, I started there in 2009, right after I graduated from, uh, from college, attended North Carolina State University, 
And while I was there, I majored in industrial design, but I was doing freelance. And I was working on campus as a graphic designer. And through that job and through um, an association, I found out about the job at UNC Charlotte. And I've been there ever since. And my main roles are developing marketing and visuals for programs, a lot of t-shirt designs. We do a lot of posters, digital signage. But more recently, we've been trying to venture outside of print. So for our annual report, we're looking at digital books, uh, digital publishing, social media, illustration, mascot design, collaborations with athletics. So a lot of really cool stuff that we're doing. And uh, of course, it's always fun because I'm interacting with students and, you know, they're a great inspiration for all the stuff that's, you know, up to date, new, fresh. You know, they kind of keep me into the whole, keep me grounded in what's cool and what's not cool. So that's always fun. Does it feel odd that you sort of went to work for a college right after getting out of college? No, actually, uh, it was great because I loved my undergrad experience. And I, I kind of, as much as I did want to graduate, like I didn't want to leave like that college atmosphere. So mm -hmm. that part was actually a lot of fun. Like uh, even the students that I work with, we still kind of hang out. Even after the ones I've graduated, we still like text each other, hang out when they're in town, um, go, oh, to, nice. go to conferences together. It was not odd at all. Like, I mean, I honestly still feel like one of the students will tell me I look <laughs> like a freshman. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but that's good. Hold on to that. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned that you were part of an association at uh, North Carolina State University. Was that the African-American Design Student Association? Um, that was one of them. That was another great networking tool. The one that actually kind of connected me with UNC Charlotte is ACUI, the Association of College Unions International. And uh, I was working in the student union doing work that I was uh, sort of doing now with the programming board, doing posters and stuff. And uh, they took us to a conference at Vanderbilt University, and there they have a design competition. So the student designers and professional designers, they can showcase their work. So I had some work showcased, and uh, I got a couple of awards, so I got some recognition. And during that time, I had a couple of people who were representatives from other schools, you know, looking to fill creative positions at their campus and, and other places. So um, that really helped me with the interview process for UNC Charlotte because um, a couple of people on that actual board for the interview were at that conference. So I could kind of say, oh, yeah, I saw you at the conference. And they're like, oh, yeah. So that was just a great networking opportunity. Did North Carolina State University have an AIGA student group? It did, but I really, I wasn't as involved with uh, graphic design associations undergrad um, because my major was industrial design. So I was with like IDSA okay. and I did some overlap with graphic design because my, one of my roommates is actually a graphic designer. So she kind of helped keep me in the loop with graphic stuff. And then in my senior year, I actually took a graphic design studio um, to complete my minor in graphic design since I was like freelancing and you know, doing all these like club flyers and all this other stuff. I was like, maybe there's more to it than that. And I should probably mm -hmm. learn a couple of things. So taking those studios my last year kind of helped me prepare for a job in graphic design after just because the industrial design market was kind of going through a struggle and I just wanted, you know, some kind of job security just, right. You know, just making sure I wouldn't have to you know, move back home with the folks. You know, I love them very much. It's kind of ready to be out there. I on hear my you. Own, so. Yeah. 
Now, I'm, I'm curious, though, about this African-American Design Student Association, and, and partially that's because it's rare that I, I hear about design associations like that mm-hmm. that are at the student level at, at colleges. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious about it. Can you tell me about your experiences with that group? Yeah, we just call it AADSA, and it had been there for a while, like, you know, before I had started. And it's uh, it was really just kind of a a connection group for students of color, not just African-American, but we had um, Hispanic students, students, um, Middle Eastern backgrounds, Asian backgrounds. We all kind of just a a nice place for us to collaborate. And uh, Mm -hmm. we did service projects. I think one of my favorites was for Black History Month. We painted at the uh, Free Expression Tunnel. So we had like a little spot on campus designated for spray painting and painting messages. You know, just like it says, free expression. And um, we did a take on the American flag where we painted it red, black, and green. We created some stencils. We had little shops we could go. We could make our own laser-cut stencils. And the stripes on the flag, we had uh, different names of African-American designers and leaders who had influenced our work. And then uh, I think the stars were just different icons and and stencils of, like, their faces. And, I mean, it was great. I mean, we got – we were on the paper, the – the campus paper and we just kind of got to laugh and play around and the time we spent before getting ready you know making stencils and that was always fun and we would do service projects collect canned goods at the state fair you know which is right down the road so we would do canned good collections for that we would do discussion panels during orientation we would give tours recruit when students would come through um, especially like minority students because um, we were a pretty small group at the school. So we were always, you know, trying to encourage, you know, other students of color to kind of give design a chance, check it out, you know, ask us questions, just kind of create a little bit more exposure and just a support group uh, for creativity and, and cultural exploration. So it was great. And I'm still in contact with all my friends, actually my business partner for Be Creative Design. We met at, in, in an AADSA meeting. And like I said, we're still cool. My roommate, she was in it, and a lot of my friends here in Charlotte. So, wow, yeah. that is really cool. Well, I, I we're gonna have to probably talk about more about that a little later because I'm just really it's it's very rare that I hear that because when I first started out doing Revision Path, I was really trying to find other sort of Black design groups out there, mm-hmm. and the one the main one that I found was the Organization of Black Designers. Have you have you heard of that? Yeah, group? Um, we actually um, AADSA we were planning one year, I think it was either my sophomore or junior year, to go to their conference, but I think um, either our travel arrangements wouldn't allow for it or the, the conference may have been um, postponed. But yeah, we had been trying to connect with them, but we were able to get a couple of the designers that they had talked about on their site. One of them was, um, she's an interior designer named uh, Courtney Sloan. She's mm-hmm. based out of, I think, in New York. So our advisor, or the assistant dean of the, the College of Design, she was also kind of like the the mom of our um, AADSA group, she connected with her and she brought her down to speak with us. We had another designer, uh, an alum, uh, Guy Marshall, um, who designed shoes. He worked with like Nike and Adidas and had his own shop in Raleigh. So she brought him. So it was not just kind of connecting for us internally, but, you know, connecting to other um, black designers um, in our community and kind of beyond um, and of course, we bring our portfolios and resumes and questions and anything that we can use to kind of help put our foot in the door with them or with someone they might know in an area that we're interested in. That's awesome. That's awesome. And like you said, it sounds like it was a really good group because you met 
your business partner there? You've had roommates there? You have, you know, friends through that? Yeah, oh, yeah. So what's an average day like for you working at UNC Charlotte in your role? A typical day, it's usually, Monday's usually our routine day. The team that I work with, it's three of us total, marketing director, and then we have a digital content manager. And, and myself, and then we also have a GA, our graduate assistant. So we kind of just go through our project list, we have a weekly list. We just keep an Excel document. So we go through that and kind of highlight the big project. So I might just kind of start the day looking at that project list. Then I'll kind of select the smaller things. I like to do the smaller things in the morning. And then by the afternoon, by lunchtime, I like to kind of focus on the, the heavy duty project. So like right now, I said, it's the annual report. So I'm kind of learning about um, Adobe Digital Publishing Suite and kind of interactive features in InDesign and how to get it published to the App Store. So I like to save things like that for the afternoon. And uh, I'll take maybe 15, 30 minute break looking at inspiration, either on Pinterest or Dribbble or Behance, anything like that, you know, adding stuff to my board for a future project or if it's during lunch, adding stuff to my visual board for my thesis that's coming up. And then um, keep continuing working on projects, come home, meet with my classmates for uh, school projects, maybe take a TV break and then get back to a couple books and maybe knock out a couple freelance projects and then hopefully be in bed by a decent hour before the birds start chirping and then just get up and <laughs> do it all over again. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you're a grad student at um, you're at Savannah College in Art and Design, right? Yes. What are you studying? I'm going for my uh, Master of Fine Arts in Graphic Design. Graphic Design, okay. Cool. How much longer do you have? If my thesis goes as smooth as I hope it does, I will be done in May. Awesome. Well, congratulations on that. I'm sure you'll get it done. I have no no doubt about that. I think so. It's been I've been in there. <laughs> this is year three. I had to stretch it out because of work, but I'm ready to be done. I loved it, but I'm definitely ready to kind of get rid of the homework aspect of my evenings. Yeah, I know. When I was in grad school, like once you get past that first year, yeah, all you can really see is the end. Like everything is is hopefully putting you in the home stretch yes. towards the end. So I completely 100% understand that. Yes, I'm excited. I'm very excited. <laughs> now, aside from that at night, you mentioned your, your design company. Uh, tell me about Be Creative Design Directions. So Be Creative Design Directions, it actually started kind of spontaneously. Um, like I mentioned, my business partner, uh, Eugene Wright, well, Eugene Wright III, was a member of AADSA, and uh, he was actually an architecture student, a graduate student when I was an undergrad, and he moved to Charlotte. And after I graduated, I moved to Charlotte and we just wanted an excuse to like hang out like, yeah, we're going to do something productive. And then we're like working adults. And I was like, well, we should start like freelancing because we used to spray paint and, you know, do like just fun projects, undergrad. We like it'd be a cool way to you know try to make some extra money. But what the big draw was, was our initials. So I'm Brit or Brittany. And he's Eugene, put those together, you got be creative. So we just thought that was so clever. So we just started <laughs> like building this brand around, you know, what we call a boutique design studio. And, you know, we we're going to make it look so legit. And so that people go to our website, you know, they're going to think of this, you know, multi-person agency when it's really just the two of us working from Starbucks on our laptops. But they didn't have to know that. 
<laughs> and our first uh, big client actually came well, once I, I moved back to Charlotte. I started attending uh, the church of my uh, my godfather, he's a pastor here, and he was asking about asking about me helping with a citywide revival. And so I was like, Eugene, this would be like kind of the perfect project to kind of launch us into, you know, the creative society of Charlotte. Being the serious business people that we were, we put together a proposal and all this other stuff. We had business cards made and letterheads and all this stuff to do this presentation was really quick. They were pretty much going to ask us to do it anyway because they're probably going to get it for free because, like I said, it was at my godfather's church. So mm-hmm. we um, we did it. They loved it. And then from there, we just started working with a couple other churches, Charlotte and then in North Carolina, and then it kind of expanded. And we started getting other freelance projects from connections that we had in Charlotte, people running for office to startups to promoters, just a bunch of stuff. So we like, we need to put this on a website, you know, just, just let people know who we are. Got a website set up, and then from there, been five years, and just the projects keep rolling in, and we're expanding as far as our client reach, which is great. And it kind of gives us some project diversity. And now that it's kind of grown, and, we, you know, we're both also working full-time, so this thing we're doing is more for fun, but we're saying for generating, you know, revenue, wouldn't it be great to kind of use that to do something positive and not just, you know, putting money in our own pockets. So um, we've recently kind of been focusing on community service through creative projects. So on the past couple of years, we've been sponsoring T-shirts, uh, designing T-shirts and having them printed for Girl Scouts. I'm a volunteer with the Girl Scout troop. And when they go on trips, they like to have T-shirts. And so we designed them and then we um, we paid to have them printed up and then we gave them to the Girl Scouts. And um, then we also speak at middle schools and high schools and we like to take little giveaways. So we get little sketchbooks made and stickers and buttons, stuff like that. And we hand them out and just tell, you know, the different students about what it kind of what design is all about. You know, the, the careers you can have, the unexpected career path and you know the power of creativity and visual thinking in schools and creative thinking in schools so that's kind of where the direction we're headed right now and hopefully setting up a mentoring program soon where we can pay college students or even high school students to work on real world projects kind of get some money in their pocket but then some work experience and hopefully prepare them for um, a career in in design so that's kind of what we're doing right now but but living every minute of it do you think there'll be a point where both of you end up working on that full time? Maybe for me. I know um, with Eugene, because he is an architect, you know, practicing licensed architect. Yeah. And that's something he really loves. He handles like right now more of the business stuff so that he can focus more on the architecture side. And then with me, I could see myself, you know, a couple years down the road, maybe doing that in conjunction with teaching and that's why I'm, you know, I'm going for my master's is so that I could teach one day. So I think that'll be a great uh, pairing of uh, the freelance you know, boutique agency uh, with the teaching position. So maybe one day, maybe one day. <laughs> I really love that idea of community service through design because when I see, uh, I guess when I look at the modern design landscape, I see very little that sort of harkens back to that. 
Yeah. And it's not something that, you know, we just thought of. I mean, like for us coming up um, at State and then coming to Charlotte, like we both had like amazing mentors and multiple mentors, um, you know, people I'm still connected with. I mean, from the time I was applying to go to design school, um, I had connections helping me out who were there from my my cousin. You know, she went to uh, NC State before me. And then uh, I had a mentor that I connected with at design camp when I was still in high school. He lives here in Charlotte, which is amazing. And he's working at Lowe's and he was an industrial designer. So he really kind of helped me with my portfolio. And he also freelances. So he's been helping me with like business advice. And then just the people who pretty much got me into freelancing who are based in Raleigh, you know, have their own businesses. They're growing. So, you know, they're always, you know, helping me out, throwing me freelance work, you know, whenever I need like extra money for, you know, unexpected books or programs I have to purchase for school. You know, they have projects ready, but not just projects, but just always advice, encouragement and support. So that's just something we wanted to kind of give back to others, just kind of keep that that cycle Mm-hmm. On that cycle going. So, what's been some of the most useful advice that you've gotten from your mentors? Just always staying busy. I mean, I'd say instead of giving like direct advice to my random questions, they they just lead by a really positive example from how they balance work and life to the types of projects that they do, the goals that they set for themselves, and you kind of see that, and you're like, "Wow, man! You know, my mentor is going to China." I'd love to go to China one day. Like, what do I need to do? Like, what kind of position do I need to put myself in to get mm-hmm. to that point? So it's just kind of just keep driving, just keep, you know, pushing yourself. Even when you're out of school, like that work never stops. Don't settle. It's never too much. Just just keep just keep moving. Is that what keeps you motivated? That, knowing that people are watching me. I have a younger brother. I call him a little big brother because he's like way taller than me, but, but I'm the <laughs> oldest. And so just kind of setting examples for him and then the different kids that I've worked with over the years, just, you know, whenever I go back home and you kind of see them and they, they come up to you and tell you what they're working on, that, you know, they're going to college and or that they're about to study design or they like art, all those things kind of keep me motivated. Just knowing that I, I can have like a small positive impact on someone else keeps me driving, keeps me going and kind of a big change from where I was before, you know, you go to college and you say you just want to get a good job because it's not so much about what you can do for others, but you kind of think about, oh, man, I'm going to make this much money. I'm going to do this. Like, I just knew that when I graduated, you know, I was going to have an industrial design degree. I was taking Japanese. I was going to get a job with like Sony or somewhere in Tokyo. I was going to live big. And then it didn't happen like that. But you kind of instead of getting discouraged, you're like, you know, actually, the big money thing is not it's not what it's about. It's just, you know, being happy creating really cool stuff, reaching out to other people, collaborating, um, being with friends and family. Like that's the stuff that's, you know, I found out is actually more important. Yeah. One thing that I tell up and coming designers is that they really have to sort of define what success means for them. Yes. As opposed to really kind of looking at someone where they're at and thinking, well, I'm not saying that you can't look at someone ahead of you and, and sort of emulate their success, but like, their success may not be your success. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's I mean, I, I see stuff now, even you know, as a working designer. And but I know I'm not there because I'm still seeking other things. And that's kind of where that fulfillment comes through freelance. You know, that's why I don't totally give up freelance. Sometimes I think I should just because it will probably free up some more time. But, you know, I'm trying to sharpen other skills um, for that next 
the next level, whatever, you know, my professional path is going to be. Just got to keep keep myself busy, keep myself focused. And I'm not 100 percent sure what I want to do. I have an idea, but not totally 100 percent because it's you know this, this area is going to be kind of new to me. But um, I'm excited about it. And that excitement and that unknown journey just kind of keeps me pumped up. It really sounds like location has been a big asset to your success. Like you're, I'm assuming you're from North Carolina too, right? Yes, mm-hmm. I'm from originally from Winston Salem, so I'm only about okay. like a, an hour away from home, and then of course right, going but, to school in Raleigh. So. But it seems like you know location has really played a big part of of your success. If there was anywhere else that you would want to live, like if you had to live somewhere else, where do you think it would be? Well, like for some reason, like DC and Atlanta just keep popping up. In my head, my father lives in Atlanta, so, you know, I'd have, like, some support there. But D.C., just because I don't have any family there, or actually I think I have a a cousin there, but just no immediate family there. And so that would kind of force me to kind of get out and explore. I'm kind of a homebody. I like being in the house uh, when I have free time, just watching TV. But this summer, I actually got to intern in New York City at Spike TV, and that was a very big, like... That was a big difference, a big change from the South in general, from the people to just the atmosphere and the hustle and bustle, um, not having a car, having to walk everywhere. But it really, you know, it really kind of tested me, seeing if I can be away from my family that long or that far from my family, Um, just Mm -hmm. being in a really active, busy city. And I did like it. The distance was kind of rough at first, but now that I'm back in the South, I kind of miss New York, so there'll be days where I'm like, man, you know, I just want to kind of walk out 34th Street, walk up to this place, get something to eat, because it's just, it's constantly moving. But here in the South, yeah. you know, things pretty much shut down. At when the sun the goes, sun goes down. down. So <laughs> <laughs> so what did you get out of that internship? What did you learn from it? Well, I definitely learned that I really enjoyed the, that larger scale work, that workload, seeing work in Times Square or seeing your work as part of an app, okay. the working with the larger creative team, like the team that I work with now, we're all very capable of doing design work, but it's only three of us. At Spike and Viacom, you know, they have way more designers. So everybody's kind of working together on the same file. So I learned to be very organized with my files because when you have, you know, 10 different people, um, this file's going to cross over. Uh, you have to be very organized. I learned a lot more about uh, Photoshop editing, editing raw photos from the, the shoots that they do for the shows and how to get those ready for the ads, learning how to build out uh, backgrounds from scratch. So the finished product that the viewer sees looks like, oh, they just you know took a picture in this background, they shot it and then added some text. But you mm-hmm. know, you're learning that they're piecing all these different things together. I mean, sometimes they're even piecing the different body parts, you know, they, the pose is better on picture A, but the face is better on picture B. You know, they're putting those things together uh, and then building out these backgrounds from scratch. And that includes the lighting, the surfaces, like everything. So that was a big difference because I'm, I'm used to Illustrator. That was the technical stuff was really fun. But like I said, just working with a different team, you know, very laid back atmosphere. I mean, people and honestly, if they wanted to probably wear their pajamas to work. But you know, when you work <laughs> at a university, the dress code is a little bit different because, um, yeah. you know, you're in the presence of, you know, really, really professional academic setting. 
And Spike is professional too, but they're just a little bit more laid back. What's the design scene like for you in Charlotte? It's actually growing. Like Charlotte itself um, is kind of becoming a more artsy place. Like we have on what's called Noda um, from North Davidson Street. So lots of galleries and little restaurants and uh, performance arts has become pretty big here. Lots of agencies are coming up doing local and national work. One of the bigger ones, I think that was actually featured on of the reality show, The Pitch, uh, Boone Oakley doing you know some national campaigns. So, um, I mean, it's growing. A lot of opportunities, a lot of in-house stuff, too, for designers. But it's just it just seems like it's like an, a growing city. It's like a city kind of in the midst of growth, lots of change coming on with like our light rail and expanding uptown. And, you know, kind of like the our sports teams are kind of growing you know, we just had the Hornets come back, so that's like a big thing here. The Panthers, you know, up and down. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not, but it's exciting. So all those things um, culturally, you know, kind of making the design inspiration, you know, a little bit more accessible. Just walking around downtown, you know, you see more diversity and you get ideas about a project or going to the Gantt Center for African American Culture and, you know, kind of, going through the history of that and African-American culture and that inspiring you. And then you can walk over to the Levine Museum of the New South and kind of see how Charlotte kind of played in the cultural growth of the South and economic growth of the South. And all those little things, you know, start to inspire. So it's not just about the direct visuals that kind of inspire the work, but it's just the, the cultural movements and the history that kind of starts to inspire the work, or at least my work. What is the most important thing that you've learned from your work? That it's okay not to get the project right in the first shot. Freelancing, especially in college, was more about money. And the more projects I could get done in a certain amount of time, the more money I would make. But now I kind of see from working as a, as a professional like in an actual office, is that sometimes it takes more than one concept. You know, you don't have to run with just the first one, you know, shoot more for quality. So I, I definitely try to do that a little bit more. And then at the end of the day, you know, I, I walk away, you know, feeling a little bit more proud and uh, hoping that the, the client or whoever I'm doing the project for feels a little bit better about or feels happy about the deliverable that they've received. And then it also kind of helps with the, the ego thing. I mean, once, you know, you get a certain amount of people telling you, how amazing you are, you know, how great your designs are. And then, you know, someone comes along and says, oh, this is nice, but let's say something else. So as a designer, when you hear that for the first time, you're like, so what are they saying that it's not good? You know, do they not know? I'm Brittany, I only do projects once. But then uh, (laughs) at the same time, it's like, well, you know what? This could be better. You know, you kind of step back, look at other things. You dig a little bit deeper do some more research and then that kind of becomes part of the process. And now before I just jump into a project, I do a lot of research. I sketch, you know, I take some time to really think about it before just jumping in and just, you know, sending something off just so I can check it off the list or just so I can, you know, collect paycheck. I'm shooting for creating and hitting on what I call dribble quality work. So work that I'm willing to put up on dribble for hundreds of people to see if it's not good, I don't want to put it on Dribble or, or Behance or anything like that. But, you know, if it's something I'm really proud of from start to finish, you know, I really want to share that. And I want more of my work to reflect that. 
What advice would you give to someone that's kind of just starting out with design? I would say research. Just research as much as you can, whether you are new to design or new to a specific area of design. As I mentioned, I'm I'm preparing for my thesis, and my thesis is built on sports branding, uh, which seems to be a more and more popular um, area of design that people are getting into. But before I just kind of jump into it and say, okay, this is a sports logo. This is what sports logos look like. I'm going to modify my work to look like this. I'm trying to work to research what it is about that, this aesthetic that makes it so, you know, appealing to sports, that, that athletic aesthetic. Like, what is it about these image treatments and block letters and 3D type and textures that gives it its association with sports? So, for the last year or so, I've just been researching, talking to other sports designers on Twitter. I even had a chance to meet a couple at a conference, Georgia, last year, on Creative South. They had a, a panel on sports designers, and pretty much half the people on that panel, I had been, you know, stalking their work on Twitter and on their websites and, you know, putting their names down and then getting a chance to meet them was like, just like the ultimate opportunity um, and even got to connect with a couple of them or one of them when I went to New York and they're actually going to be on my thesis committee. So it's just research, oh, nice. research, research, make as many connections as possible. Like, don't be afraid to step up and talk to people. And because we have so many outlets now, mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, I mean, that's what those things are there for. And if a person has a profile, you know, you can assume that they want to be contacted or reached out to. So, you know, just kind of take a chance, just introduce yourself. Don't necessarily ask her anything, but just, you know, introduce yourself. Let them know, you know, what you're trying to do and, you know, that they're an inspiration to you or, or whatnot. But just don't jump in, ask you for anything. Just, you know, just try to, you know, build connections, kind of stay in touch so that when you do need a connection or, you, you know, you do need something, you've kind of built, uh, started building kind of a relationship or connection. And so it's not as awkward uh, when you do need to ask for help with something. So just research and connect and, or network. If the old you could see the new you, what do you think she would say? You're still short. I'm short. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think old Brittany would say to Brit, just Brittany's like little Brittany, and Brit is like the creative, adventurous person. I hope they will be proud of the progress that I've made professionally and personally. I'm just making this decisions, you know, from going to New York getting all those arrangements made to going to grad school, just being more grown up, taking more chances, making decisions based on what, you know, I want and need and not so much thinking about what would this person say or this person say. So I I would hope that old Brittany would be proud of Brit. Have you ever sabotaged your own success? Yeah. uh, When I was younger, I was really shy. And mm-hmm. so there would be opportunities where I had a chance to connect with someone, whether it was in person or you know, via social media or whatnot. And an opportunity may have come up and then I just kind of froze because I didn't think I was I was ready or I just assumed that if I spoke to this person, they would offer me this job and whisk me away forever from my family. And I just wasn't ready for that. You know, I would just kind of jump to conclusions way too soon and would be afraid of the consequences or the outcome. And I think in the past that's kind of held me back. But 
um, like I said, this, this step from the summer, just going to New York and really kind of breaking away from it all for a little while kind of really made me grow up a little bit more uh, and be more confident in the decisions and the, and the goals that I set for myself. Where do you see yourself in the next five years or so? Well, hopefully definitely done with school. And then I would love to be teaching somewhere and, you know, have my mentoring program kind of up and running and full of eager, ready to learn, creative minds that that I can kind of work with. And uh, hopefully we'll be pushing out um, a new generation of uh, creative thinkers and problem solvers. All right. Well, just to kind of wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you online? Primarily, I keep my work updated on um, Behance. So if people are on Behance or have that access, it's um, behance.net slash BC Davis. And then from there, I have all the links to my uh, Twitter, uh, Be Creative 704, Dribble, LinkedIn, Vimeo, all that stuff is, is linked on my Behance page. All right. Sounds good. Well, Britt Davis, thank you so much for for talking with me today. I think a lot of what you mentioned with your story is really captivating to me just in terms of of the fact that you've had this really kind of tight-knit group that has really helped you out a lot in terms of school and, and jobs and things like that. And that's something that Quite honestly, for most people that I interview, is a bit of a rarity. For most people, it's it's um, I mean, they may pick up some things here and there from people, but it's it's more about sort of like walking the road alone. And it seems like you've really had this strong system of support that has helped you out, oh, yeah. kind of yeah. each step of the way. So it's good to hear that. I mean, for me, honestly, it's good to hear because I was like, everybody can't be just doing this. Like <laughs> no. everyone can't be doing this the hard way. Yeah, but, I don't know how they're I doing mean, it. I mean, it's it's been like a real blessing to have like a support network and your know, parents that support, you know, the, the weird artsy kid, you know, they were, my parents were always really supportive. I mean, even to the point where, you know, they didn't throw away my Legos right away when I went to college. They kind of let me keep a couple of them. And I, and I still have a couple of them. I love building with those things. But um, yeah, always, it's always been great to have that, that support system. It's awesome. Thank you again so much for being on the show. I really appreciate yes, it. Thank you. And that's it for this week's show. Thanks to Britt Davis for an inspiring conversation. And of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Britt's work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Don't forget about our audience survey, revisionpath.com forward slash survey. Fill that out so we can get your feedback and you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 Amazon.com gift card. Survey closes at the end of this month, December 31st. Big thanks to our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp is the premier email service provider choice for entrepreneurs and small businesses, and they make sending emails to customers and clients ridiculously simple. Give them a try today at MailChimp.com. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names, and they give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code NIA, that's N-I-A. Lastly, there's Creative Market, a marketplace that sells beautiful, ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators around the globe. Head on over to creativemarket.com and find out more about that charity bundle that I mentioned at the top of the show. Lots of really good stuff there. And of course, huge thanks to Model View Culture for sponsoring this week's episode. Visit them at modelviewculture.com, follow them on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash modelviewculture, and Twitter, twitter.com forward slash modelviewmedia. 
This episode was edited by R.J. Basilio and produced by yours truly, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, They See Me Growing, is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps the show get new listeners. I can't stress that enough. It really does help. I'll even read your review here on the show. So that's another little added bonus for you. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit revisionpath.com forward slash donate and let us know. Leave a tip in our tip jar, sponsor an upcoming episode, or join at the $5 fist bump level to show your ongoing support. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.